Okay, I had the mute button, so I apologize for that. Andy Lasky, welcome to the show. Well, uh, good afternoon, and uh, Sharon, as always, a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we've got a lot to do today. We're going to do a little bit of review and a lot of preview uh, during our show today. Uh, In our first half hour, we will start with some short track news. That will include some dirt news. Next, we will review the Arkham Menard Series race that took place last weekend at Berlin Raceway and will include an Arca East and West Series update. Uh, At the top of the hour, in our second half hour, we are going to preview the ARCA race that's taking place at Elko Speedway this weekend, and afterwards we preview the NASCAR Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series all at Nashville Super Speedway, and actually that will cover uh, half of our second half hour and all of our third half hour, and then at the top of that hour we will get into our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with the Fan for Racing crew. And, Andy, I believe, as of right now, it's just me and you. And uh, that's okay, because I think we got a fair amount to talk about. Some pretty big news that just came out today. Um, I won't say what yeah. it is, because we'll get to that with Hot Topics. But, yeah, looking forward to talking about that for sure. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to start with the short track news. Uh, I did send you something via the uh, Teams app. Uh, I put it on the wrong thread, but I hope you found it. Yeah, I've got. I appear to have all the information here in front of me, so it should be good to go. All right. Uh, usually, our resources are typically our primary resources come from Racing America. Uh, flow racing, and then short track scene. Uh, but we're going to start with some news and notes that uh, we get, and uh, it covers dirt racing as well as uh, short tracks. Do you want to start with Gio Scalzi, uh, Andy? I'm yeah, likely to call good. you um, Jay or Sal or you, just about the, anything. <laughs> or you could say the uh, the other Jay, I suppose, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, Gio Scalzi survives a uh, a last-ditch slide job from uh, David Gravel to score a uh, World of Outcars sprint, uh, sprint Car Series win at Beaver Dam Raceway. So, obviously, that's pretty exciting to uh, get a win like that. Absolutely. Alex Knighton uh, covers that over at worldofoutlaws.com. And then Sheldon Haldenschild followed with a win of his own the following night at the same track. Again, Alex Knighton writes about that over at worldofoutlaws.com and another article from worldofoutlaws.com, Andy. Yeah, and then World of Outlaws officials are still reviewing Carson uh, Macedo's scary crash that was at Knoxville Raceway. Glad that I think he's going to be okay as a result of that. But nonetheless, uh, they'll be reviewing that moving forward. Moving on uh, to the next one, I'll just do this one real quick. Ricky Thornton Jr. took the uh, the Mountain Moonshine Classic at Smoky Mountain Speedway for a $50,000 prize, so that's a big deal for him. Absolutely. You can read all about that over at lucasdirt.com. And then Emerson Axum uh, brought Clausen Marshall Racing to Victory Lane on what would have been Brian Clausen's 34th birthday. Brian Clausen, a 
big dirt racer uh, uh, who is now passed. Uh, and uh, it's really nice uh, tribute for them to be in victory lane uh, for Emerson Axum and his team. Uh, Richie Murray writes all about that from USAC Media. Justin Grant took the uh, USAC Sprint Car Victory at Fort Royal Speedway. That article can be seen uh, on USAC Media. That's by Richie Murray as well. And while uh, Kyle Cummins closed the Eastern Storm Week with a week of action track of at Action Track USA, and uh, you can again read about that at USAC Media, uh, written by Richie Murray. Tim Schaefer took the All Star Circuit of Champions George Fisher Memorial at the Atomic Speedway. That article, of course, is on AllStarSprint.com, written by. Uh, Tyler Altmeyer. So if you want to check that out, that's where to see that one. And then Sam Haffertepe uh, Jr. followed with a victory at Eldora Speedway. Again, Tyler Altmeyer at allstarsprint.com writes about that. And I'll just go ahead and take the next one. And Brett Marks wrapped up the week with a win in the Dean Niddle Memorial while Tyler Courtney was crowned Ohio Speed Week champion. Uh, again, Tyler Altmaier writes about all of those stories at altstarsprint.com. Now we'll kick off our short track news. Yeah, going on over to the short track uh, stuff, the ASC Stars Tour is emerging as a strong alternative series in the crowded regional super late model space. That article, of course, by Matt Weaver from the short track team. And Ty Majeski won with the tour at uh, the Milwaukee Mile to extend his series points lead. Uh, we've been talking about this. Ty Majeski uh, trying to uh, buy for the uh, championship in the ASA tour as well as the camping, uh, not camping world anymore, but the Craftsman Truck Series this year. Matt Weaver writes about uh, his Milwaukee Mile win over at Short Track Scene. The Cars Tour delivered a thriller on Saturday as Bob McCarty narrowly edged out Brendan McQueen for the win in the thriller. And, of course, that article also by Matt Weaver from the Short Track team. And then Matt Weaver also writes about uh, the Pinty Series winner, Mark Antoine Cameron and crew chief Bobby Robin McCluskey were given heavy penalties for a ten- technical infraction discovered after Cameron's win at the Autodrome Chaudière. So um, that's uh, kind of a big story when a big penalty like that happens. So you want to check that out over at Short Track Scene, again, by Matt Weaver. So uh, some big storylines in dirt and short track racing, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, uh, racing seasons are in full swing, so um, it's nice to see that. And also, with uh, with all this racing comes some some pretty interesting storylines. So it'll be uh, good if you haven't to go and check out some of those articles and get the latest and greatest news. Absolutely. I'm just going to hit on each of the three sites here real quick. The Southern Super Series postpones their event at Carter Ray. Uh, County Speedway, uh, and have made the decision to cancel this weekend's shootout by the C-125. So stay tuned. I'm sure they'll come up with an alternate date for that. I know rain uh, affected a lot of the races this weekend, Andy. 
Yeah, certainly did. Uh, certainly did. Hopefully that will improve as uh, the uh, rest of the month goes on. I hope so. Also, the inaugural ASA Stars National Tour Series hits the halfway mark, and you can read all about uh, what's going on in those series over at Racing America. I'm going to move over to Flow Racing now and the news articles that are posted there. Uh, the Lucas Oil Firecracker 100 at Lernerville Speedway uh, is bigger than ever. So uh, that's going to be a huge event uh, for this year. And let me see if they've got a uh, entry list over here. No entry. Oh, yes, we do have a previous uh, winners is what they have. It's not actually the win- entry list, but they do have the previous winners listed there. Uh, so you'll want to check that out over at Flow Racing. Let me see. We've got some other articles here we can hit on it as well. Uh, Scott Bloomquist, uh, diagnosed with prostate cancer. Hall of Fame driver uh, Scott Bloomquist of Mooresville, Tennessee, was recently diagnosed and will soon undergo surgery. Again, they have an article over at Flow Racing if you want to read more about that. And everything you want to know about the 2023 Super Dirt Cup at Skagit Speedway. Yeah, looking down through here, um, quite a bit going on. Obviously, NASCAR weekly racing at Meridian, um, weekly racing at Tulsa, uh, the Pinty Series at uh, at Eastbound Speedway, the Modifieds, of course, at Riverhead. So, um a lot going on here. If you go to Flow Racing, there's links to all these articles and race previews. So certainly, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's getting busy out there. And um, But thankfully, uh, sites like Flow Racing help keep us informed of what's going on. So go check that out if, if you're um, a fan of these series. A lot of good information out there. Okay, and a couple articles here from Short Track Scene. Uh, Bobby McCarty breaks the Cars Tour winless streak in dramatic fashion. Uh, That's uh, up there. Berlin's Left Turn Lounge, a destination for racers and fans. Uh, That's kind of a nice article featuring the SRL National Series you might want to read. Anything else that uh, hits you, Andy, over at Short Track Scene? Um, yeah, just kind of taking a look through here. Obviously, it's been uh, a little bit since we did our last show, but, of course, the Cars Tour tackles uh, Dominion Speedway. Um, taking a look at the Modifieds, Matt Hirschman crushes the NASCAR Modified Tour at Seacon Speedway. Um, so, and uh, taking a look down here, uh, Carter Langley, Peyton Sillers, uh took a couple of wins at South Boston Speedway. So, yeah, a lot going on here and, and a lot of good links um, to these articles. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's getting busy for sure. Okay. Three of our favorite uh, websites for short track news. Uh, so we like to feature those uh, here on Fan Racing Radio as much as we can. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our notes for the review of the um, uh, Arkham Menard Series race that took place this past weekend at Berlin Raceway. It was the Arca Berlin 200 post-race notes that we have here. William Sawalich. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. 
a 30, 354 different driver to win at least one Arca Menard Series race with his, with his victory in last Saturday's Arca Berlin 200 at Berlin Raceway in Marnie, Michigan. Sawalich took the lead from the series championship leader, Jesse Love, coming to take the white flag and led the final two laps to score his victory. So a big victory for William Sawalich. It was indeed a big victory for um, William Sawalich. He's really an up-and-coming driver um, that I think is going to do big things in the future. That being said, though, it was Jesse Love who dominated the race leading 197 of the race's first 198 laps after starting uh, from the general tire pole. And Love was slowed over the final 10 laps by a small fire, likely from rubber buildup in his left front wheel well, and caught a a pack of lap cars at the wrong moment on lap 198. That allowed Solowich to move in and use the bumper to move Love up the racetrack to take the lead. So certainly disappointing if you're Jesse Love, but he's had a good season. He'll have his chance to uh, earn a victory soon. Absolutely. And with that second-place finish, Love now extends his lead in the Arkham and Art Series championship standings to 20 points over sixth-place finisher Frankie Muniz. Two-time 2023 uh, 20, uh, Arkham and Art Series West winner, uh, Sean Hingarani. Hingarani. First Arkham... No, thank you. <laughs> I'm so bad at pronouncing <laughs> names sometimes. I do apologize. But uh, he earned his first Arca Menard Series top five finish crossing the line in third uh, as the final driver on the lead lap. And Andreas Perez finished fourth, his fifth top ten finish in 2023. Perez is now third in the standings, and he's 38 points behind Love and just 18 points behind Muniz. In uh, her 38th career series start, Tody Bridinger earned her first career top five finish in fifth. Uh, she will return to the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series next weekend at the Nashville Super Speedway, driving for Tricon Garage. Oh, that's good news. Okay, also Frankie Munez matched his career best finish with his third sixth-place finish of the 2023 season. Munez uh, continues to lead laps lead the laps completed category. He completed 198 of the race's 200 laps. The first time in 2023 he has not finished on the lead lap. Christian Rose achieved his best career Arca Menard Series finish in seventh. Rose raced as high as fourth in the first half of the race. Yep, we had him on the show last week, so uh, he gave us a good interview and preview of that race at Berlin. Tony Cosentino finished a career-best eighth place after a long night that saw the team's truck break down with transmission problems on the way to Michigan. A late-night truck change and another stop to make impromptu repairs to the team's trailer pushed their arrival at the track to after 3 o'clock. Constantino was able to make a couple of laps in practice before qualifying ninth. Not too bad for kind of a, a, a difficult start. Yeah, obviously it's always good when uh, one can persevere through adversity like that. We've seen that uh, over on the NASCAR side of things, too. So thankfully uh, they were able to make something out of a tough weekend. John Garrett earned his first top ten finish of the season in tenth. 
And uh, to finish us out, the next race for the ARCA Menard Series is Saturday night. That's June 14th, which is this Saturday night. At the shortest track on the schedule, that's the Elko Speedway. The Menards 250 is set to go green shortly after 9 p.m. Eastern time and will be televised live on Fox Sports 2. That's interesting to note That's uh, that it'll be on Fox Sports 2, which means I'll uh, probably check that one out this weekend. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, now, I, I will go over to the Arkham Menards uh, website right now uh, because I want to make sure that we cover um, – I want to make sure we cover the um, full finish for that race at Berlin Raceway. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up here. I thought I had it, but I – Guess I didn't. Uh, let me see if the, yeah. Let's see. My tickets. I'm trying to see if I can get the uh, completed results of that race. I'm having a hard time following it, finding it. And I and I'm doing the same thing here. Bear with us, of course, just trying to uh, make our way through all the information we have at our disposal to to get those results Race for you. Well, here it is. I found it. Okay. Did you find it, Andy? Uh, I'm still. I'm on the website now. I'll have it in just a second. Okay, I'll go ahead and get started here. We know that William Sawalich, uh came in first, and it was Jesse Love. We've mentioned Sean Hinkarani and Andreas Perez de Lara, and uh, Tony Breidinger. With uh, we also mentioned Frankie Munoz in sixth, Christian Rose in seventh. And then I'll let you take it from there, Andy, if you want to pick up Tony Constantino in eighth. Tony Constantino in eighth, as you just mentioned, Zachary Tinkle in ninth, John Garrett uh, in tenth, Roger Carter in eleventh, Tim Goulet in twelfth, Matt Kemp in thirteenth, A.J. Moyer fourteenth, Brad Smith fifteenth, Tim Monroe in sixteenth, Jeff Smith rounds out the field in seventeenth. Okay, so that's... uh, most, uh, not many drivers finished on the lead lap. Only three drivers actually finished on the lead lap in this race. Uh, uh, William Sawalich, uh, Jesse Love, and Sean Hingarani. Everybody else was a lap or more down. Only two drivers, one lap down. Uh, and it just gets worse from there. <laughs> so this was not an easy track, uh, for the Arkham Menard Series. Berlin Raceway. Always puts on great racing, but uh, it was a huge win for William Sawalich, and uh, I'm real happy for him. Uh, let's go to the standings here for the Arkham Menard Series. Let's see if I get got the right one. Hi. Nope. Uh, I've got the Arkham Menard Series up if you want me to run through that. Yeah, you want to run through that, the top ten. Andy, somehow I'm having troubles here. Well, Jesse Love has taken the points lead in the Arkham Menard series. Frankie Muniz had that lead, but now it's Jesse Love with 600. Uh, no, that's laps led. Let me take a look at his total points here. 243 points. He now has a 13-point advantage over Frankie Muniz in second. Jack Wood is third. Andreas Perez de Lara in fourth. We talked to him earlier in the season. He's been very impressive. Uh, in the Arkham Series this year. Christian Rose is fifth. Tom uh, Constantino in sixth. Greg Van Alst, we've documented his uh, hardship this season. He's in seventh. Tony Breidinger, eighth. 
John Garrett, ninth, and A.J. Moyer rounds out the top ten. Yes, indeed. So um, all of those drivers have complete. Well, Jack Wood is the only. No, there's two of them here. Uh, Greg Van Oles had to shut down his operation. Uh, he'll drive some select races. So he had five of the six races in. Uh, and Jack Wood has only five of the six races. I think he's sharing his ride uh, this year with another driver. So uh, that's why we see that. But with those are the only two exceptions. Everybody else has raced all six of the races in the Arkham and Art Series so far. And they'll race their seventh race uh, coming up here this weekend out at Elko Speedway. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. Um, I want to just, uh, while we've got a little time here, I'm going to update you on when the next races are. Whoops, I lost my... Hold on, what happened here? <laughs> I lost my notes. Okay, here we go. Uh, when the next races are for the Arca Menard Series, we have already touched on that. But for the Arca East, let me go to the Arca West first because they are racing the next race after this weekend. Uh, their race is the Napa Night Vision 150 on July 1st at 10 p.m. Eastern Time out at Irwindale Speedway. They always put on great racing out at Irwindale Speedway, and you can catch that race via live streaming over at Flow Racing. So uh, that's going to be a big one. Uh, Andy, you want to do the Arca East? Uh, yeah, let me pull that up here real quick. I had just exited out of the website, so it'll just take me a well, second. I can do it if you Oh, yeah, why don't you go ahead? I, I had already uh, okay. moved on to the next one. So, oh, that's fine. Uh, the ARCA East is racing on July 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the Calypso 150 are one of my favorite racetracks, Iowa Speedway, and that will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So uh, you definitely want to uh, uh, catch that on uh, the live network. Uh, National Network of Fox Sports 1 on July the 15th. So uh, a lot of racing still on the docket here for all three series, and uh, we're definitely looking forward to watching all of it. There's also some great stories over here at ARCARacing.com. They've got the NASCAR 75. ARCA routes are prevalent for many of the new additions to the grid greatest drivers list that NASCAR has been putting out to celebrate their 75th anniversary. Uh, there's also a video there uh, about how engineer Manan Raman rose to prominence at Venturini Motorsports. Uh, that's a great article, or a great video, I should say. And then Willie Mullins to pilot a throwback paint scheme uh, honoring his wife, Dinah's father, and that will be uh, shown out at Elko Speedway this coming weekend. So they also have a schedule of all the events that will be taking place at Elko Speedway this Saturday for the Menards 250. And uh, I know Andy, not Andy, but uh, Jay uh, is vacationing up in Minnesota this week, so maybe he can catch a race out there this Saturday. That would be awesome if he did. Hopefully it would be a good weekend for that. It would be, and you still can uh, buy tickets uh, to get your seat at Elko Speedway this weekend, uh, and they have a link for where you can get those tickets uh, available 
over at ARCARacing.com. I know we're a little bit ahead of schedule here, but we're probably going to need it, Andy. So let's go ahead and go to our preview for the Arca Menard Series at um, Elko this weekend. We've got some notes here for that. That race is uh, the Arca Menards 250 again. It will be at Elko, Elko Speedway Saturday, June the 24th, 9 p.m. Eastern, televised on Fox Sports 2. They'll be going uh, 93.75 miles over 250 laps. So you want to take the first uh, note there, Andy? No, I had the wrong thing up. If you take the next one, I'll pull it up. Okay, yeah, it's over at your uh, thread, your private thread. The Menards 250 will be the seventh race of 20 for the Arkham Menards Series in 2023, and the second consecutive race contested on a short track. It's just point three seven five miles in length. Elko Speedway is the shortest track on the schedule. All right, and uh, let's see. Eden Prairie, Minnesota native William Solowich earned his first career arc of Menard Series victory last Saturday night at Berlin Raceway in Marin, Michigan. We talked about that. Obviously a big win for him. Um, driving for Joe Gibbs Racing, Solowich leads the Arkham Menard Series East Championship standings with two wins so far. In 2023, those were at the Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida, and Flat Rock Speedway in Michigan. His win at Berlin uh, came in his second Arkham Menard Series star. Solowich started from the general tire pole in his series debut at Phoenix Raceway in March, uh, and he finished 13th after a late race spin while battling for the lead. Yes, so uh, uh, a lot of people are, are hoping that he can win at his home track and we'll see if he's able to do that. Saturday's uh, Menards 250 will be the ninth Arkham Menards Series race at Elko Speedway, dating back to 2012. Previous winners include Brennan Poole. He won there in 2012. Frank Kimmel in 2013. It was Grant Infinger coming home with the win in 2014, followed by Austin Terriot in uh, 2017, Gus Dean in 2018, Chandler Smith won in 2019, then it was Corey Heim taking home the win in 2021, and Sammy Smith brought home the win in 2022. Two-time Arkham Menard Series West Champion Jesse Love leads the Arkham Menard Series Championship standings by 20 points over Hollywood superstar Frankie Muniz. Uh, Love led 197 laps at Berlin Raceway, he lost the lead to Solowich coming to the white flag at Berlin and was relegated to a runner-up finish. Love entered the Berlin race on a three-race win streak, taking victories at Talladega Super Speedway, Kansas Speedway, and Charlotte Motor Speedway. Love finished second last year uh, at Elko, so obviously looking to turn that around with a win this weekend. Absolutely. Munez, the star of Malcolm in the Middle and agent Cody Banks, will make his second career Arkham Nard Series start on a short track. He finished sixth at Berlin, and Munez has completed all but two of the 719 possible laps of competition so far in 2023. 
Love has led uh, 433 laps so far in 2023, more than four, uh, more than four times more than Solovich, second in the category with 97 laps led. The current NASCAR Cup Series star Justin Haley holds the Elko Speedway track qualifying record at 14.282 seconds or 94.525 miles per hour. That was set back in 2014. And uh, let's see, Brennan Poole holds the record for the fastest race at Elko Speedway, winning in 2012 with 74.090 miles per hour average speed. And, uh, of course, no driver has earned their first career Arca Menard Series win at Elko Speedway. Okay, the record for the most cautions in the Arca Menard Series race at Elko is eight, eight, Okay, is eight. They did that three times in 2023, in 2017, and in 2018. The fewest number of cautions in the Arkham Art Series race at Elko was four uh, in a 200-lap race in 2012. All right, and let's see. Last year's race was slowed. Uh, by a caution, a total of six times for 40 laps. The record uh, for the most laps run under caution, that's 62, and that was back in 2018 and 2019. Okay, should the race need to be extended into overtime, there will be unlimited attempts at a two-lap green-white checkered finish. Should the caution flag be displayed after the white flag is displayed, there will be unlimited attempts at a one-lap green and white together finish. So we do like to cover that here uh, because it is uh, somewhat different than what we're used to in the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, We'll go over to uh, the pit box, everything you need to know about the race at Elko Speedway. Uh, I just want to see if there's anything that I missed. Uh, On Saturday, June 24th, they will have a practice from 3.40 to 4 p.m. Central Time. That's the local time for that area. Final practice will take place from 4.10 to 4.30 p.m. Central. And then the general tire pole qualifying will take place at 5.20 p.m. Central. Arkham Menard Series race again is at 8 p.m. Central, uh, and again, 250 laps covering a distance of 94 miles. Um, anything else that you want to make sure we cover here? We can go over the um, complete entry list, Andy. Uh, sure, we can do that. Okay, it looks like there's quite a few people here. Uh, we usually go from the bottom up. I'll go ahead and get started. Uh, do you see the link there? I'm uh, in the process of pulling it up now. Uh, I got it right here, actually. So, yeah, all good to go. Okay, I'll start with the number 06, driven by A.J. Moyer for out of Tampa, Florida. He'll be driving a Wayne Peterson Toyota, River's Edge Cottages, and RV Park, uh, jrcpays.com, on the side of his car. Wayne Peterson will be his crew chief this week. The uh, number zero three entry is Casey Cardin from uh, Brazelton, Georgia. He'll be in a Denton Garden Racing Club racing uh, Ford. Um, 
owned by Alex Club with Alex Club as the crew chief. Okay, Kevin Reed Sr. will be the crew chief for chief for the Hillenburg Toyota, the zero one driven by Davy Callahan out of Richleyville, Virginia. He'll have CW medals on the side of his car. John Garrett uh, from Athens, Texas, drives the Adventure Foods Veer Motorsports Chevrolet, uh, owned by Dustin Hillenburg, and uh, looks like Mike Sarufi will be the crew chief. Okay. Caden Lapsovich will be the crew chief for the Venturini number 55, driven by Tony Breidinger out of Hillsboro, California. She'll have VMS on the side of her Toyota. Brad Smith uh, will pilot the number 48 entry uh, from Shelby Township, Michigan, the Copria Chevrolet, owned by Brad Smith. Jeff Smith will serve as crew chief. And Tony Constantino will be the crew chief for his own car, uh, owned by Enrique Tamayo. Uh, Tony will be driving the number 45 Tamayo Constantino Racing Ford, and he hails from Mansfield, Ohio. Jalen Mack will drive the number 43 Chevrolet from Apple Valley, California. And then Tamayo, Constantino Racing Machine, owned by Enrique Tamayo. It'll be Matt Howcraft as the crew chief. Ryan London is the crew chief uh, for the Kevin Sawinski, number 32 Ford, driven by Christian Rose out of Martinsburg, West Virginia, with West Virginia Department of Tourism on the side of his Ford. It'll be uh, Rita Goulet in the number 31 machine. That's a Chevrolet from McCalla, Alabama. The auto DNA collision and repair uh, entry owned by Tim Goulet. It'll be Tim Goulet serving as the crew chief. Mark Rett will be on top of the pit box for his number 30 Ford, driven by Frankie Munez from Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, he has as his sponsor, Reskills. Connor Jones in the number 25 Toyota uh, and from Fredericksburg, Virginia. The Jones Utilities Machine, of course, that is a Venturini Motorsports effort with Kevin Reed Jr. as the crew chief. Okay. Sh- Shannon Rush will be on the side of another Venturini-owned Toyota, the number 20 driven by Jesse Love from Wedward City, California, uh, with his familiar JBL on the side of his Toyota. William Salowich, of course, we've talked a lot about him on this show, driving uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing in the number 18 Toyota from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. That is the uh, Starkey Sound Gear Toyota with uh, Matt Ross serving as the crew chief. Okay, and in another Venturini Motorsports Toyota is Sean Hingarani behind the wheel of the number 15 gear wrench uh, Manan Raman will be on top of his pit box. Uh, Sean Hills from Newport Beach, California. All right, and uh, let's see. Ryan Roulette in the number 12 Ford. That's, uh, he's from Minot, North Dakota, the VFW Belater Recruiting Academy Ford, uh, owned by Michelle Hillenberg. That's a Hillenberg entry, of course. Bruce, uh, Bruce Shakespeare is the crew chief on that machine. 
Another Andy Hillenberg Ford uh, with Dick Dohaney on top of the pit box is the number 11. Uh, Bryce Hogerberg will be the driver, hailing from West Fargo, North Carolina, North Dakota is what I'm trying to say. Uh, he'll have Hogenberg Farms and UTI on the side of his Ford. Not one, not two, but three Andy Hillenberg entries as <laughs> Willie Mullins is in the number 10 Ford uh, from Fredericksburg, Virginia. He's in the CW Metals machine. That'll be uh, Wayne. Let's see here. Wayne Doolin will serve as his crew chief this weekend. Okay, and Jamie Jones is the crew chief for the Max Siegel-owned machine, the number two, driven by Andreas Perez de Lara from Mexico City, Mexico. So uh, that completes the entry list for the Elko Menards 250 uh, that is taking place uh, this weekend. We've already covered uh, the series point standings. I'm going to head over to the pit box and see if there's any other news uh, that fans might need to know about. Uh, Let's go to the what to watch for. Uh, days removed from his maiden Arkham Menard Series victory, William Sawalich is heading to his home track in search of a back-to-back victory, victory number two. He grew up roughly 30 minutes from Elko Speedway and will attempt to earn his second Series victory uh, on Saturday. He will once again pilot the number 18 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, But there's also a strong contingent of drivers from Venturini Motorsports that are looking to rain on Sawalich's parade. Uh, Yeah, just like the ones we just mentioned, obviously, um, those three drivers will um, probably be a big factor for the win, undoubtedly. Jesse Love, uh, the same driver that Sawalich tussled with, in order to win that maiden victory one week ago at Michigan's Berlin Raceway. But joining Love uh, in the Venturini stable at Elko, as we mentioned, are Connor Jones, Sean Hingarani, and Tony Breidinger. <clears throat> we'll also have series regulars Frankie Munoz, Andreas Perez, Delara, Christian Rose, as they look to earn their season best finishes. Willie Mullins returns to action for the first time since the opening race of the year at Daytona International Speedway. And Casey Carden makes his second debut driving for Alex Club. So, uh, again, some features there uh, and a little more details about uh, some of those drivers that uh, we mentioned on the entry list. Uh, Again, we're a little bit ahead of schedule, but uh, Andy... Uh, the other Jay, I'm going to uh, let's go ahead and move on to our national series. All three series are racing at Nashville Super Speedway this weekend. We're going to start with the truck series. Uh, they are racing the Rackley Roofing 200 at Nashville Super Speedway on Friday, June the 23rd, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, television coverage will be on Fox Sports 1 starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 199.5 laps. 
first stage ends on lap 45. The second stage uh, will be 50 laps, ending on lap 95. And then you've got uh, the final stage ends on the last lap. That's lap 150 for 55 laps. All so right. Starting all uh, at the bottom. Taking a look here, uh, Spencer Boyd. Uh, to make milestone start at Nashville. The Young's Motorsports driver will attempt to make his 100th NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series career start this weekend at the Nashville Super Speedway. In 99 previous starts, Boyd uh, has put up a win, two top fives and three top tens this season. Boyd has managed an average finish of 25.5 and is ranked 27th in the driver's standings as he heads to Nashville this weekend. Okay, there's a couple of other drivers here. Uh, Zane Smith and Carson Hosevar uh, will attempt an Xfinity Series debut at Nashville. Uh, the 2022 Craftsman Truck Series uh, champion, Zane Smith, and Spire Motorsports driver Carson Hosevar will be the only NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series drivers attempting double duty this weekend. Smith will attempt to get behind the wheel of the number 28 for RSS Racing in their Ford on Saturday. The California native has made 11 uh, previous career starts in the Xfinity Series. His career best finishes were at fifth at Iowa and Phoenix, and both of those races uh, happened in 2019. Josefar will look to get behind the wheel of the 77 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet. The 20-year-old has made three previous career starts, in the Xfinity Series with his best start, uh, or his best finish, I should say, coming at Darlington earlier this year when he finished in sixth place. So uh, some uh, double duty starts there for a couple of uh, truck series drivers. But we've got a couple people, we've got some people that are locked into the uh, truck series playoffs, Andy. We do indeed. Um, Taking a look at that here. Um, with the standings, quite a bit going on, obviously, with that. Um, trying to pull this up here to make it easy to read. But just to commentate on Dean Smith, uh, obviously excited about him um, making an Xfinity Series start. I'll be curious to look at the crew roster and see if that is an FHR car or if it's a true RSS racing car. Um, but nonetheless, obviously, that's a big deal uh, for him to make that debut. But moving on, uh, as you mentioned, uh, to the drivers that are locked into the playoffs, there are six competitors locked into the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs with four races to go. Hard to believe that already. <laughs> but with four races it's to amazing. go in the regular season, uh, here's a look at the current NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoff standings. Those who are locked in, six drivers, uh, are locked themselves into the playoffs by virtue of wins which includes Zane Smith with wins at uh, Daytona and Circuit of the Americas, Christian Eckes at uh, Atlanta and Darlington, Carson Hosevar at Texas, Corey Heim at Martinsville, Grand Enfinger, Kansas, and Worldwide Technology Raceway, and, of course, Ben Rhodes at Charlotte. Uh, currently in on points, two drivers have built up a points cushion of 21 points or more over the playoff cut or the cut line following the race at Gateway a couple weeks ago. Ty Bajewski's up by 113 points above the playoff cutoff. Matt Crafton at 21. Bajewski is looking to earn a spot in the playoffs uh, for just the second time in his career. Of course, he did so last season. While Crafton is looking to extend his series record of seven playoff appearances, uh, 2022, 2021, 2019, 18, 17, and 16, 
that's pretty impressive if he could do it yet again this season. With 14 uh, points above the cutoff and ranked ninth in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoff outlook, it's Helmar Friesen Racing's Stuart Friesen, of course, uh, who is looking to make the playoffs for the fifth time in his career, having done so last season, 2021, 2019, and 2018. Friesen has finished fifth in both of his career starts at Nashville. Following uh, not too far behind Friesen is Rackley WAR's Matt Benedetto, uh, seven points above the cutoff. Benedetto is looking to make his first appearance in the playoffs this season. On the outside looking in, there's another 10 drivers that sit outside the playoff cut line, and uh, time is running out for them to race their way into the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs. Tricon Carrage's Tanner Gray is 11th uh, in the playoff standings, just seven points behind De Benedetto. Gray will have the opportunity to drive the number 17 Toyota this weekend at Nashville, which was the same entry that Ryan Priest took to victory lane uh, at the track the last two seasons. Sunoco rookie of, the year, rookie of the Year candidate Nick Sanchez sits 11 points off the final playoff position. Following Gray and Sanchez is Chase Purdy, who's 38 points back from the uh, cutoff. Jake Garcia sitting at minus 58. Tyler Ranker minus 79. Raja Karuth minus 96. Haley Deegan minus 107. Colby Howard at minus 111. Daniel Dye at minus 109. And, of course, Taylor Gray at minus 126. A lot of uh, pretty... Good entries in, in uh, pretty, you know, big names for the truck series there on that list that are trying to, to win and race their way in. So these next four races, I, I can promise you, will be pretty exciting and uh, will be fun to watch this summer. I think I foresee a lot of bumping and banging, and I'll tell you what. Uh, it's oh, yeah. <laughs> very possible that any one of those drivers could come up with a victory and, of course, a win in your end. Uh, and it could shake up those series point standings. Um, there's a regular season title watch going on. Uh, Corey Heim leads the point standings uh, with just those four races to go. Uh, of course, he's from Tricon Garage, uh, and he continues to have a strong year as he continues to hold the driver points lead in the Craftsman Truck Series. Uh, with four races left in the regular season, the 20-year-old Heim is just one point up on Thorsport Racing's Ty Majeski in second. Remember, we told you Ty Majeski is looking for a championship, not just in the truck series, but also in the SAA, ASA Stars Tour. And he is leading the points in the Stars Tour, so I'm sure Majeski wants to uh, make up that ground uh, and uh, lead the points here as well. Not only... Does a driver get the prestige of winning the regular season championship? But whoever is leading after those four races will get an additional uh, 15 playoff points to take into the postseason. Heim's points lead began after a strong finish at North Wilkesboro. He won stage one and finished sixth overall, gaining him a total of 48 points to jump from third in the standings to take the lead over time Majeski and Zane Smith. The Georgia native has accumulated one win at Martinsville, four top fives, and nine top ten finishes so far this season. The driver of the number 11 at Toyota cannot yet clinch the regular season championship since there are still four wins and 240 points that are available. Thorsport Racing's uh, Ty Majeski, who is just one point back from the points leader, 
and front row motorsports Zane Smith just nine points back also continue to run well this season, of course. Although Majeski has yet to win a race this year, he has collected six top five and eight top ten finishes. Smith, who swept the regular season and postseason championship last year, has accumulated two wins. He has five top fives and five top ten finishes as well. <clears throat> Looking to Nashville, of the top three drivers in points, Smith holds the best average finish at the 1.33-mile track at 3.0, followed by, Maje- by Majeski at 6.0, and Heim at 33.0. Heim has only made one start at Nashville last year when he was caught up in an accident that uh, relegated him to that 33rd-place finish. So we'll see what happens this year, but a lot of these drivers are looking to get that top spot. They are indeed. And, of course, the NASCAR Craft and Truck Series drivers to watch in Music City, USA. Uh, that'll be prevalent this weekend. Although there's no previous winners entered for this race here at Nashville this weekend, there are several drivers who have consistently been at the front of the pack at the 1.33-mile track located just outside Nashville. Uh, GMS Racing's Grand Infinger, returns to Nashville after a red-hot start to the season, taking two checkered flags at Kansas and Worldwide Technology Raceway and seven top-ten finishes. Although Enfinger was involved in a crash last year at Nashville that resulted in a DNF, he finished third in 2021. 2022 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion Zane Smith has had a rough stint in the last five races, but the driver of the number uh, 38 Ford that's for Front Row Motorsports has done exceptionally well at Nashville Super Speedway, finishing second last year with 70 laps led in fourth in 2021. Smith has two wins this season, that, of course, coming at Daytona and Circuit of the Americas, three poles and five top five finishes. Elmar Friesen Racing Stuart Friesen is no stranger to this track. In two starts, coming the last two seasons, he finished fifth in both of those events. In 12 starts this season, he's uh, led 13 laps and collected four top five finishes. And last but not least, of course, to keep an eye on this weekend would be Tricon Garage's Taylor Gray. The 18-year-old from Denver, North Carolina, will be piloting the number 17 Toyota this weekend. Uh, It's the same truck and team that NASCAR Cup Series driver Ryan Priest took to victory lane at Nashville the last two seasons in 2021 and 2022. Gray has made nine starts this season, putting up uh, three top ten finishes. This weekend will be Gray's uh, series debut at the Nashville Super Speedway. So first time racing at Nashville, but uh, obviously uh, when you go there with a the team that's won the last two races at Nashville, you got to believe his confidence is pretty high, Sharon. Yes, indeed. All good drivers uh, to keep your eye on this weekend. Also, the Triple Truck Challenge continues under the lights in Music City. Uh, after the two-week break that the uh, truck series has been on, uh, of course, they're going to be jumping back into action under the lights at Nashville for the Rackley Roofing 200 uh, on Friday night, marking the last race of the 2023 Triple Truck Challenge. To date, Nashville has hosted 15 uh, truck series races, producing 12 different winners. The inaugural truck series race dates back to August 10th, of 2001, a race that was won by Scott Riggs driving a Dodge for Jim Smith. Riggs led 131 of the 150 laps 
Uh, and right now, Johnny Benson, Kyle Busch, and Ryan Priest lead all drivers in wins at Nashville with two victories apiece. Since the inception uh, in 2019, no driver has been able to win all three Triple Truck Challenge races in one season to collect the $500,000 bonus. I wonder if, well, it won't be because uh, we've got two different winners. The streak continues this year after GMS Racing's Grant Enfinger took home the $50,000 bonus at Worldwide Technology Raceway, followed by Thorsport Racing's Ben Rhodes win at Charlotte. Uh, the Triple Truck Challenge will close out this season's program at the 1.33-mile track at uh, Nashville, and a new race winner could receive another $50,000 bonus, or one of, if one of the two previous winners win, they could be pocketing an additional $150,000. Toyota Trucks leads the pack with the most wins in Music City, coming in at six victories. Ford follows with four trips to Victory Lane, and Chevrolet comes in at two. So a lot to look forward to in this Truck Series race coming up this weekend. Uh, we will move now to the NASCAR Xfinity Series race. They'll be racing the Tennessee Lottery 250 at Nashville this Saturday, June the 24th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch that race on USA at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Radio coverage will be on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. The distance is 250.04 miles or 188 laps. First stage ends on lap 45. Second stage, uh, also 45 laps, ends on lap 90. And the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 188. So I know we've got some news here in the uh, Xfinity series as well. <clears throat> uh, we do indeed, taking a look here. Um, this is a name that you may remember uh, from probably close to 20 years ago. Brent Sherman uh, set to compete at the Chicago Street Course. The Chicago native will be joining RSS Racing in the number 28 Ford uh, to run the inaugural Chicago Street Race next month. The race will mark his 62nd career start in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and his first in the NASCAR National Series event since 2009. Uh, I actually remember, Sharon, that he drove um, the number 58 Dodge with Serta Mattress as the sponsor, and I can't quite remember the team. I think it might have been Aiken Motorsports back in the the mid-2000s, but it was the 38 and 58 cars. I remember that. Um, So definitely a familiar name, but it certainly has been a while. Uh, Sherman was quoted as saying, this opportunity just fell into place. When the street race was announced, I knew I wanted to explore the chance to get back in a race car. I can't thank uh, RSS Racing enough for the opportunity to compete in the number 28. I know I'll have some challenges with the temperature in Chicago during the summer months, but I'm up for the challenge and have been training to be prepared for it. So it will be uh, cool to see him back in a car after uh, quite some time out of defeat. Okay. Uh, admitting that it's difficult to retire as a race car driver, the 41-year-old Marks uh, is planning to run the Chicago Street Course Race uh, for Colleg Racing. Uh, he's the track house racing team owner. 
Uh, but he's going to be putting his driver hat on this weekend, driving the number 10 uh, for College Racing's uh, event, the Chevrolet, of course. In the, he'll be driving in the Xfinity Series race on the Chicago Street Course. And this will be his first Xfinity Series race since the 2018 season, but his 35th race overall. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing Justin Marks behind the wheel of that number 10 colleague Chevrolet. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, obviously what Justin has done as a Cup Series team owner has been pretty awesome to watch, but uh, Justin is um, a very good road course racer. That's what he's known for. He actually has won Xfinity Series races I believe for Chip Ganassi Racing a few seasons ago. So looking forward to seeing him back on track and uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, So let's see, one week off and two races on. Some drivers are making up for the off week by pulling double duty this weekend at the Nashville Super Speedway, which will include A.J. Allmendinger, Ty Gibbs, Zane Smith, and Carson Hosevar. Allmendinger will be getting behind the wheel of the number 10 colleague racing Chevrolet for his third start of the season in the Xfinity series. He's made two starts at Nashville super speedway in the series, posting a fifth place and 16th place finish respectively. Gibbs will be piloting the number 19 Toyota for Joe Gibbs racing in his fourth start of the season in the Xfinity series. He's only made one start at the Nashville track in the series where he posted a fourth place finish. Dane Smith, of course, as we mentioned, makes his debut in the Xfinity Series, joining RSS Racing to drive the number 28 Ford. This will be his first start in the Xfinity Series, um, uh, actually since 2021, um, his first at the National Super Speedway. I stand corrected on that, but nonetheless, um, be good to see him back in an Xfinity Series car. Hosevar will be uh, behind the wheel of the number 77 Chevrolet for Spire Motorsports in his fourth start of the season in the Xfinity Series. This weekend, Tennessee Lottery 250 will mark his uh, debut at the Nashville Super Speedway. Okay. Uh, Nashville Super Speedway is a place of first. Uh, The track has been a place of first for some drivers, as seven of 14 race winners were first-time winners when the series completed competed at the track from 2001 to 2011. Uh, Let's start with Greg Biffle's win in 2001 uh, in April that year. Scott Riggs won there in April of 2002. In June of 2002, it was Jack Sprague coming home with that victory. And uh, someone that we missed dearly, Jason Leffler, took home a victory at Nashville in June of 2004. Uh, in 2005, March, it was Reed Sorensen getting his first victory at Nashville, and Clint Boyer uh, came home with his first victory in June of 2005, and it was Brad Keselowski bringing home his first victory in June of 2008. These are first-time Xfinity Series victories for these drivers, so pretty cool to see that. It is indeed. Um, and we'll look forward to seeing how that turns out. Let's see. Drivers to watch, the Nashville edition, of course. Um, A few drivers have done well on the 1.33-mile Nashville track and could uh, very well find themselves uh, in victory lane this weekend. An obvious favorite, of course, is J.R. Motorsports' Justin Allgaier, who is the only previous winner entered in this race. Of course, that's the Tennessee Lottery 250. 
He's made eight starts at the track, posting one win uh, in 2022, five top fives and five top tens. Stewart Haas Racing's Riley Herbs is still in the hunt to post his first Xfinity Series win, and he could make it happen this weekend at Nashville Super Speedway. When the series made its return to the track two years ago, Herbs posted a top 10 finish, and then last year he won the pole and ultimately finished third. Richard Childress Racing's Austin Hill started the season off strong, racking up three wins, Daytona, Vegas, and Atlanta in the first five races. Now he'll look to add a fourth victory to his trophy case. Hill has made two starts at the Nashville track, uh, posting two top ten finishes. Uh, Just a little nugget about Herbs, of course. Um, He'll be doing that with a new crew chief, and that news we'll get to a little bit later in the show, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out this weekend. Yes, indeed. Okay, the Xfinity Series is rocking and rolling into Music City after a well-deserved week off. Uh, They'll be heading, of course, to Nashville Super Speedway for that Tennessee Lottery 250 on Saturday. Uh, Nashville Super Speedway has hosted 23 Xfinity Series races, uh, producing 15 different race winners and 16 different pole winners. Carl Edwards, who will be honored this weekend by Nashville Super Speedway, sits as the winningest driver in the Xfinity Series at that track with five victories. In 2006, in 2007, he swept, and again in 2011, he swept there. While the Cup Series champions Kyle Busch and Joey Logano are tied for the most poles there at three apiece. After the inaugural race in 2001, which was won by Greg Biffle, the Xfinity Series raced at that uh, Nashville track twice a year through the 2011 season. The series then took a 10-year hiatus from Nashville Super Speedway before returning just uh, a couple years ago in 2021 in a race that saw Kyle Busch take that checkered flag. Junior motorsports driver Justin Algauer is the track's most recent winner. It was a race that he dominated by leading 134 of 188 laps and crossing the finish line by a margin of victory of 4.513 seconds. If he wins the Tennessee Lottery 250 again, he'll become the second back-to-back race winner in Xfinity Series at Nashville, joining Carl Edwards, uh, who again had those uh, sweeps in 2007 and in 2011, along with his victory in 2006. The on-track action will kick off this Friday, June 23rd, with a practice that starts at 5.35 p.m. Eastern, followed by qualifying on Saturday, June 24th at noon. Both can be streamed on the USA Network and on the NBC Sports app. So uh, a lot to look forward to with this Xfinity Series race. Really good to see all three series racing this weekend at Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, Next up, we have the NASCAR Cup Series. Ally 400 uh, at Nashville will take place Sunday, June 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, That race will be covered by NBC as well as radio coverage on TRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll race 399 miles over 300 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 90. Stage 2 on lap 85. And, of course, the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 300. We usually have a lot to cover in the uh, 
Cup Series, so we'll see if how much of it we can get to here, Andy. Oh, I think we'll do okay. <laughs> but uh, we'll start off with rising country music star Parker McCollum to perform free race concert at Nashville. The award-winning country music singer and songwriter Parker McCollum will get fans at Nashville Super Speedway revved up for the Ally 400 when he takes the stage as the official pre-race concert performer on Sunday, June 25th. McCollum will perform at approximately 5 p.m. from the pre-race concert stage located on Pitt Road. Um, He was quoted as saying, It's really an honor to play the Ally 400 at Nashville Super Speedway. I've always been a big fan of NASCAR, and I'm excited to bring my show to the track in uh, June. See you all there. McCollum is expected um, to sing many of his popular songs, including his number one platinum-selling hits, Pretty Heart, and To Be Loved By You, from his uh, critically acclaimed debut album, Gold Chain Cowboy. We are, this is uh, from NASCAR. We are thrilled to showcase Parker McCollum, one of country music's fastest-rising superstars at Nashville Super Speedway, prior to the green flag for the Ally 400. And that was said by Matt, uh, Matt Gretchy, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Nashville Super Speedway. As the home for their NASCAR Cup Series racing here in Music City, we always want to make sure we provide an amazing music performance before America's best drivers hit the track for the Ally 400. Okay. Okay. Getting back to my notes here. Uh also, we have uh, Middle Tennessee's Nate, uh, let's see if I can pronounce this, Bargazzi, <laughs> to uh, serve as the honorary pace car driver at Nashville. I hope I pronounced that correctly. He's a Grammy-nominated comedian and podcaster and will serve as the honorary pace car driver for the Cup Series Ally 400 at Nashville Super Speedway on June 25th, an old Hickory, Tennessee native uh, Bargazzi followed in the showbiz footsteps of his father, a former clown turned world-class magician, uh, whose influence is seen in his 2015 debut Comedy Central special, Full Time Magic, and his debut album, Yelled At by a Clown, which reached number one on the iTunes comedy charts and was on Billboard's top ten comedy charts for weeks. Bargazzi's half Netflix special, The Stand-Ups, premiered in 2017, and his first solo one-hour Netflix special, The Tennessee Kid, premiered globally with rave reviews rave reviews in 2019. In 21, he released his critically acclaimed second Netflix special, The Greatest Average American, which received a Grammy nomination for Best Comedy Album. Bargazzi also released his latest and third one-hour special, Nate Bargazzi, Hello World, on Amazon Prime, and it now holds a record as Amazon's most streamed original comedy special in its first 28 days of viewership. Uh, so a lot to look, for, look forward to uh, with a Tennessee native there. Uh, there is, yeah, that definitely uh, should be pretty fun to check that out, of course. Um, taking a look here, award-winning country music band Old Dominion named the Grand Marshal at Nashville. Award-winning country music band Old Dominion will serve as the Grand Marshal for the Ally 400 NASCAR Cup Series race on June 25th. 
at the Nashville Super Speedway. The Nashville-based group, which received its eighth consecutive Academy of Country Music Awards nomination for Group of the Year earlier this spring and claimed the past five straight such allocates, is set to give NASCAR Cup Series drivers uh, the command to start their engines before the 7 p.m. Eastern Time race under the lights. Uh, with eight number one singles, the chart-topping band has surpassed one billion on-demand streams, earned several platinum and gold single certifications, and headlined arenas and amphitheaters around the globe. Okay, so lots of great entertainment there. Okay, let's talk about this, because I'm sure we'll be talking about this on Hot Topics as well. It's been a busy week for Stuart Haas Racing. Crew chief, uh, are shuffled. Crew chiefs are shuffled. Uh, and Barry was announced as the driver of the number four starting in 2024. Sternhouse Racing didn't take much downtime in the off week prior to heading to Nashville Super Speedway as they did announce their shuffle in their crew chief assignments and also that driver Josh Barry will replace Kevin Harvick in the number four board for next season. Richard Boswell, the main steward of SHR's Xfinity Series program since its inception in 2017, is now the crew chief for driver Chase Briscoe in the number 14 team in the NASCAR Cup Series. So now John Klossmeyer, the former crew chief of the number 14 team, remains at SHR, but has transitioned to the company's vehicle performance group. Replacing Boswell as crew chief for the number 98 Xfinity Series team is Gavin Restivo. And uh, since 2022, Restivo has been a lead engineer for the number 10 team and driver Eric Almarola in the Cup Series. Prior to his time in the number 10 outfit, Restivo was the lead engineer for driver Cole Custer first in the Xfinity Series in 2019, and then he moved up with Custer to the Cup Series in the 2020 and 21 seasons. Before joining SHR in 2019, Restavo is, was an engineer uh, at Chip Ganassi Racing. So Stuart Haas Racing wasn't done with just one announcement this week. They also named uh, Josh Berry as the driver of the number four Ford Mustang in the Cup Series beginning for the 2024 season. He'll replace retiring Kevin Harvick, whose 23-year Cup Series career will come to an end following the season finale November 5th at Phoenix Raceway. Harvick and his crew chief Rodney Childress have combined for 37 points-paying wins since their pairing in 2014 when they came out of the gate in an impressive fashion by winning the 2014 Cup Series title. So big news happening over at Stuart Haas Racing all week this week. There is indeed, and uh, obviously got some good opinions about that. Look forward to talking about that in just a few minutes on Hot Topics. But as we take a look ahead here, uh, a milestone watch, 2311 Racing's Bubba Wallace will make his 200th career NASCAR Cup Series start. Uh, 2311 Racing's Bubba Wallace will become the 143rd different driver all-time to make their 200th career NASCAR Cup Series start this weekend in the Ally 400. That'll be, of course, this Sunday. In 199 previous NASCAR Cup Series starts, Wallace has put up Two wins, 15 top fives, and 27 top tens in one pole. 
He completed 50,471 laps and led 299 of them. His career average finish in the series is 21.1. If Wallace were to win this weekend at Nashville Super Speedway, he would become the fourth different driver in Cup Series history excuse me, to win on their 200th start. Joining NASCAR Hall of Famers Bobby Allison, Terry Labonte, and current driver Kevin Harvick. In two series starts at Nashville, Wallace has posted a 20th place finish in 2021 and a 12th place finish last season. All right. Um, Next Gen is producing some great competition in 2023. In its sophomore season, the Cup Series Next Gen car has performed at a pretty high level, producing some action-packed racing. And with 16 races in the books, the stats keep adding up. A total of 10 different winners from six different organizations have won at least one race in the first 16 events of the 23 season. Led by Kyle Busch and William Byron with three victories apiece, this is the 38th consecutive season that the Cup Series has produced at least 10 different winners during the season, uh, dating back from 86 to 23. Uh, eight different winners from five organizations have won at least one pole in the first 16 events of the season, uh, led by Denny Hamlin, Joy Logano, William Byron with two poles each. In 2023, Cup Series season has produced an average of 10.3 lap leaders per race through the first 16 races of the year. That's tied with the 22 season for the 12th most in the 52 years of the modern era from 72 to 23. In the 23 Cup Series season, we've produced an average of 22.4 lead changes per race through the first 16 races, the 10th most of the modern era from 72 to 23, and up plus 6.6% from last season's uh, 21.0 average lead changes. The Cup Series uh, has also produced an average margin of victory of 1.383 seconds with seven of 16 races this season finishing with a margin of victory under a second. The Cup Series has also produced 200, I'm sorry, 920 green flag passes for the lead through those first 16 races of the year. Uh, The Series most. Uh, through the first 16 races of the season since 2017, uh, the last 17 seasons. Six different facilities this season have set new race records in green flag passes for the lead in the Cup Series. Daytona with 204, Richmond at 35, Talladega 308, all-time green flag passes for the lead. That's a single-event record. Kansas 65, Darlington 29, and St. Louis at 21. The 2023 Cup season has produced 70,912 total green flag passes in the first 16 point pace, points paying races of the year. The series most through uh, that same period of time of a season since 2007, again, the last 17 seasons. In a year-over-year comparison, the 23 Cup Series season has 70,912 has produced green flag passes increase at 34.2% over the 
over last year's first 16 races, which was at 52,840 total green flag passes. So uh, some pretty amazing stats there uh, for the next-gen car. It is, you know, and it's misleading because you don't always notice this, you know, but there's a lot of great racing throughout the entire field. And, and exactly. certainly that's led to some they've been led to some great numbers um you know for the the car and that was the whole point of the next gen car was to create the, you know some some parity so that's been fun to see and speaking of fun let's take a look at summer fun top uh, performers in the last 10 races of the regular season from 2020 through 2022 the summer stretch of the NASCAR Cup Series regular season can be a grueling one but some of the drivers really excel when it gets down to crunch time in the regular season Below is a look at the top performers over the last three seasons and in the last 10 races of each regular season from 2020 through 2022. 2022 winners, Chase Elliott had three wins, Kevin Harvick with two wins, Tyler Reddick with two wins, Austin Dillon, Christopher Bell, and Kyle Larson each had one. Top five's leader was Chase Elliott with seven, top ten's leader was Chase Elliott with seven. Average finishes, uh, top three, Chase Elliott, 7.2. Martin Truex Jr., 12.2. Austin Sindrick, 12.8. Lap leaders, the top three, Martin Truex Jr., 284. Joey Logano, 280. Chase Elliott, 248. In 2021, winners in this stretch, Kyle Larson with two, Ryan Blaney with two, A.J. Allmendinger, Alex Bowman, Eric Almarola, Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch, and Kyle Busch each had one. Top five's leader, Ryan Blaney with six. Top ten's leader, Ryan Blaney and Kyle Larson with seven each. Average finishes, top three, Kyle Larson with 8.0, Kurt Busch 9.0, Ryan Blaney 9.6. The lap leaders, top three, Kyle Larson with 404, Chase Elliott 221, Kyle Busch with 189. Uh, In 2020, winners, Kevin Harvick had three, Denny Hamlin two, Austin Dillon, Brad Kozlowski, Chase Elliott, Cole Custer, and William Byron each had one. Top five's leader was Martin Truex Jr. with nine. The top ten's leader was Martin Truex Jr. with nine. Average finishes, the top three, Martin Truex Jr. with 5.4, Kevin Harvick 6.2, Denny Hamlin 6.8. The lap leaders, top three, Kevin Harvick at 4.77, Denny Hamlin 3.16, Brad Kozlowski 2.73. Looking at the above stats of the last 10 races of the regular season over the last three years, only one driver has pulled off wins during that time frame in all three seasons. That's Chase Elliott which bodes well for the Georgia native as he is currently mired in the point standings in 27th, looking for his first win of 2023. Okay, we've got a huge section here, but it is the race to the playoffs. Ten races are left in the regular season with Nashville up next. I'm going to try to see if I can get through uh, all of this with the Reader's Digest version. Uh, the Cup Series teams are refreshed and focused on different tasks Each has in front of them, which is 10 races left in this regular season. For drivers and teams that are locked in the playoffs, these next 10 races are a great time to prepare for the postseasons, pad playoff points, and set themselves up for the best possible position uh, to finish the regular season. For those drivers and teams not locked into the playoffs with these next 10 races are the final 10 chances they have to earn their spot into the coveted postseason playoffs. With 10 drivers in 2023 with wins, only six spots are still up for grabs in the 16-driver playoff field as the series heads to Nashville. Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex catapulted himself into the top of the uh, driver's standings following his second win of the season at Sonoma two weeks ago. 
42-year-old New Jersey native is racing with a vengeance this season for having gone winless last year after stringing together a streak of seven consecutive seasons with wins in a series from 16 through 21. Truex is one of 10 drivers this season holding a spot in the playoffs by virtue of the regular season wins. He's joined by William Byron, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, Tyler Reddick, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Six drivers currently in a playoff transfer spot on points are Ross Chastain plus 173 points up on the cutoff line. Kevin Harvick is plus 172, Chris Buescher at 102, Brad Keselowski plus 96, Bubba Wallace plus 26, and Alex Bowman has uh, just a three-point advantage over the cut line. Hendrick Motorsports' Alex Bowman is currently the most precarious position of the six drivers inside the playoff cut heading into Nashville this weekend because he's in the 16th and final transfer spot on points. If a driver below him in the standings wins over these next 10 races, he could find himself on the outside looking in. He now just has that three-point advantage over Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez in 17th, the first spot outside the playoffs. Uh, he's one of, Suarez is one of five drivers currently below the cut line uh, that made the playoffs last season. He's joined by Austin Sindrick, who's down by 39 points, Chase Elliott down 84, Austin Dillon down 108, and Chase Briscoe down 148. For many drivers, this part of the season can be a turning point in the direction their year will take. Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers were one of those teams last year. Of the drivers looking for their first Cup Series win of the season, five have won previously at Nashville. They include Chase Elliott, who won last year. Uh, Four drivers won in either NASCAR's Xfinity or the Craftsman Truck Series. Ryan Priest in 21 and 22 for the Truck Series. Harvick in 2006 and 2010 in the Xfinity Series. And Austin Hill in uh, 2011 in the Truck Series. And Brad Keselowski in 2008 and 2010 in the Xfinity Series. Just outside the playoff cut line, three points back, is Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez, who made the postseason last year on his Sonoma win. Still know there's time to earn a spot in the playoffs over these next 10 weeks. In two starts at Nashville, Suarez has finished 7th in 2021 and 15th in 2022. So uh, it's going to be a big deal if he can get that win uh, to get himself in this week at Nashville. Absolutely. Uh, I sure will. Taking a look here at um, moving on to the next section here. Hendrick Motorsports looks for their third straight trip to victory lane at Nashville. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee must be a special place for the folks that work at Hendrick Motorsports because all they do is win when they come to Nashville Super Speedway. In the first two NASCAR Cup Series races held at Nashville, Rick Hendrick's organization in Chevrolet has sent uh, two different drivers to victory lane, Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, over the last two seasons. And this weekend will look for their third consecutive victory at the famous concrete uh, 1.33-mile track. Kyle Larson kicked off the Hendrick Motorsports Fund at Nashville by not only winning the inaugural Cup Series race at Nashville, but he also celebrated winning the 2021 championship that year. And that, of course, was held in downtown Nashville. This last season, Chase Elliott followed up Larson's victory with a win of his own at Nashville, and now the 27-year-old returns to the track this weekend looking to go back-to-back 
and get his first win of the 2023 season. Uh, defending a race win in the track is something Elliott has done twice among his 18 series career victories. He did so at Watkins Glen back in 2018 and 2019 and Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course in 2019 and 2020. Okay, we'll hit our last section here. NASCAR heads to Nashville to boot, scoot, and boogie in Music City. After soaking up uh, the only off weekend of the season, the competitors in the Cup Series now prepare for one of the schedule's most unique tracks, uh, and that's Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, the D-shaped concrete oval that stretches 1.33 miles is the longest concrete surface track of the 23 schedule, and we'll have drivers and teams dancing to find the perfect setup in their cars for this weekend. Construction of Nashville Super Speedway was completed in 2001, and the facility was originally owned by Motorsports. The first National Series race uh, was held at Nashville Super Speedway in the Xfinity Series on April 14th of 2001. The first Xfinity Series race at Nashville was run by Greg Biffle, driving a Ford for RFK Racing. And the first Craftsman Truck Series race at Nashville was won on August 10th, was on August 10th, 2001, and was won by Scott Riggs, driving a Dodge for team owner Jeff Smith. They purchased, uh, Nashville Super Speedway was purchased in 2001 and is currently owned and operated by Speedway Motorsports. The Speedway's two NASCAR Cup Series events have produced two different race winners, two different pole winners. Uh, Erica Mahorola from SHR won the pole for the inaugural race in 21, and Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin won the pole for last year's Nashville race. Uh, Mahorola would go on to finish fourth uh, in 21, and Hamlin finished sixth last year. In 21, Nashville hosted the inaugural Cup Series race, at the track, and the event was run by Hendrick Motorsports driver and 21 Series champion Kyle Larson. The California native took the win with a margin of victory of 4.335 seconds over Trackhouse Racing's Ross Chastain in second. The race produced 14 lead changes among seven different drivers. Larson led the most laps of the race, spending 264 of the scheduled 300 laps out front, or 88%. Then last year, Larson's Hendrick Motorsports teammate Chase Elliott took home the checkered flag at Nashville. The Dawsonville, Georgia native and 2020 series champion held 2311's racing's Kurt Busch off by a scant .551 thousandths of a second to win. The 22 Cup Series race saw 18 lead changes among seven different leaders. Pole sitter Denny Hamlin led the most laps of the race with 114 circuits out front. Crank up the amplifiers and tune the guitars because NASCAR is rumbling into Tennessee's Music City this weekend with all the on-track Cup Series action beginning with practice from 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. on Friday. Then on June 23rd on the USA Network. Then the Bushlight Pole qualifying is on Saturday, June 24th at 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m., also on the USA Network. So we did it. Woo! We made it through all of the news and notes. Well done. <laughs> yes, that was a lot. But 
a busy weekend ahead. As we mentioned, you know, three national series plus plenty of touring divisions and always a lot to cover. But we did it, Sharon, so good work. <laughs> Congratulations, Andy. Uh, I really appreciate the hard effort there. Okay, we are at the top of the hour. That means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, I didn't hear from Tommy, but I don't know that he's available this early, so I'm going to say that he's uh, not available. If he is, he's uh, certainly happy, to, uh, welcome to join us. Uh, but, Andy, let's go ahead and pick our first hot topic here. Well, let's start off with the big one that, of course, came out today, and uh, that is that Josh Berry officially announced uh, to take over the number four car at Stuart Haas Racing beginning next season, and we might as well lump in their personnel changes, too, that, of course, um, coming as Richard Boswell announced as the new crew chief for Chase Briscoe in the Cup Series, and because of that move, Davin Restivo now takes over um, the number 98 Xfinity Series car. He had been the lead engineer on the number 10 Cup team with Eric Almarola and had actually been um, the crew chief unofficially of SHR's kind of third part-time effort. They usually will operate it under a different number in team name, but most recently he actually was the leader of the 28 car uh, with Eric Almarola when they won Sonoma Raceway a couple weeks ago. That was effectively a third Stuart Haas car. So um, certainly uh, it appears that he's ready to go and be a crew chief. So Sharon, obviously big news out of SHR this week. Yes, indeed it is. And uh, I think it's good news. Uh, we know that Chase Briscoe has had, has worked with Richard Boswell before and uh, I think uh, he's going to be very happy with that crew chief change, uh, and I hope it gets him back into uh, competition form. Uh, also, um, where is it here? Josh Berry going to uh, the number four of Kevin Harvick's uh, Stuart House Racing Machine. I think it's huge news. We've heard rumors of that. Uh, a lot of the media had kind of foretold us uh, that this was going to happen, but Stuart Haas Racing made it official, although it says not officially official until next week. But I thought they did make the announcement. Uh, but uh, anyway, they did. It, was announced, it was announced today, this afternoon. Yes, I thought so. <clears throat> so I think it's uh, pretty cool. Uh, Josh Berry uh, is is one of those drivers that started in iRacing, was discovered by uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and he brought him into Junior Motorsports, and he did very, very well. He had a chance to kind of sub uh, for a couple of drivers this year, including Chase uh, Elliott in the Cup Series, and did it very well in the Cup Series. So I think this is a well-deserved uh, promotion for Josh Berry to take over that number four uh, Stuart Haas Racing Machine. I'm happy for him, and uh, I think he's going to do quite well there. I'm glad they're making the announcement now uh, so that he can work with Kevin Harvick uh, and, and talk to him about making that transition. Uh, I, and I do like the uh, crew chief changes as well. I've already mentioned um, Riley Herbst was doing well with Richard Boswell. I think that's going to be a loss for him. Uh, but he's got a he's got a good crew chief uh, coming in with Restivo, 
uh, Restivo. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but I think that they've got, he's got a good crew chief. Uh, the, the key is if they can develop that relationship and continue the momentum uh, that Riley Herbst has seen so far this season and kind of keep him, uh, get him on the winning track uh, so that he can get into the playoffs on it with a win. So I think it's all good. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. I, I I look at, we'll start out with, you know, the Barry news. Obviously, this has been rumored for a bit, and there was a big question mark on who would fill that void um, that Kevin Harvick leaves at Stuart Haas Racing. Um, and I, I I think that Josh Barry is, is, is a good hire. It's, you know, in the press conference today that, uh, that they did. Tony Stewart said that they they felt that the driver, you know, of that car or their Cup Series cars in general should be somebody that um, has earned their way to the top via talent and hard work. And Josh Berry fits that bill. Uh, certainly, someone that came up through late model racing, had success, uh, earned the opportunity with JR Motorsports full time in the Xfinity Series. He's done well and he's won races in that series and been a playoff contender. Um, I think that perhaps for, for me personally, and, and a lot of people, I think it, it wasn't so much his Xfinity series success as it was his cup series success earlier this season that I think mm. got people's attention. Um, you know, it's, it's no secret that Hendrick motorsports is arguably one of, if not the best team in the garage. So, the old saying of fast cars go fast comes into play here, but you can't detract from Barry's talent either. It is tough to get into a cup car, no matter how good it is, uh, and run fast. I, I think that we have to look at Corey LaJoy as an example of that. He jumped in the nine car at Gateway and didn't do very well, whereas um, Barry got into the 48 and nine cars early this season and had some good finishes and ran well. And I think that in itself, I, I think, got a lot of people's attention um, and probably is what led to Stuart Haas Racing making this move. I think it's a big move. Obviously, Barry has been closely aligned with Chevrolet. So for Ford to get um, a, a talent, the caliber of Josh Barry is, is key. Um, so I, I think it's a good move. I mean, Barry does have yet to prove himself in a full-time cup setting, we know that it's a huge change to go from the Xfinity series to the cup series, but certainly when you look at the way he ran uh, in his select cup series races earlier this season, uh, I think it has to give Stuart Haas racing confidence that they can, um, you know, put him in that car and, and help, you know, have him help build that program uh, moving forward. Obviously Stuart Haas racing, um, has struggled immensely this season, and or, you know, and with the departure of Kevin Harvick, they're looking for ways to to rebuild and, and get ready to for the future. And, and so I think that that's what they've done here with Josh Berry. Um, you know, I think the driver lineup is still somewhat, you know, fluid. I think moving forward, we don't really know the status of the ten car. I'm not sure if Priest is beyond a one year deal or not. We know that Briscoe is long-term, and Barry was announced as a multi-year deal today, so ultimately uh, a good move there. Um, the crew chief changes obviously uh, got my attention this week as a Briscoe fan, um, you know, and I have to start out by addressing the Xfinity Series move. Um, you know, Richard Boswell, um, 
a fantastic crew chief. I think that he earned his Cup Series shot uh, three years ago um, when he won. That team won nine races that year. Three of those races technically had Greg Zipidelli on the pit box, but um, his team, led by by him, led won nine races and made the final four with Chase Briscoe in 2020. Um, I think that, to me, was uh, a very strong performance from a crew chief standpoint, and I think that right there is, is in my mind, what should have earned him a cup series opportunity and you know even though it's been two and a half years he now gets that opportunity um you know and he won races i think every year from 2017 through 2020 uh leading that 98 car uh it was i think the 41 car back in 2017 but it's been the 98 car ever since um ever since 2018 and and you can't argue you can't i should say you can't ignore the success that he and briscoe have had together um, so I think this pairing makes sense. I think it's well-deserved. And I, I have to say that I have always been a John Clausmeyer supporter as well, the former crew chief. I thought that he did a good job um, previously with Clint Boyer and Eric Almarola and, and Chase Briscoe the last two and a half years. And, you know, it's a, a somewhat bit of a surprising move, I think. You know, their communication was good, at least from my perspective. They 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 got along well, but sometimes a change is necessary. And it's no secret that they have, the whole organization has struggled this season. And I think that, you know, when you look at that massive penalty, they just got a few weeks ago, that may have been the catalyst for change. Uh, It's hard to say exactly what caused the change, but I think that when you couple their performance with that penalty, I think that it was time for something new to take place. So extremely happy for Richard Boswell, you know, obviously, you know, have to wish Johnny Clausmeyer the best. I thought he did a great job as the crew chief of that car, but uh, as disappointed as I am to see him move into vehicle performance at Stuart Haas Racing, I couldn't be any happier for Boswell. I have tremendous respect for him. I know what he's capable of as a crew chief just from what he did with Briscoe in the Xfinity Series. So really excited to see what those two do uh, moving forward. Um you know, and and I, I, I think that it's a fantastic opportunity for Richard. Just really glad to see him get a Cup Series opportunity, and I think it's really fitting that it's with Briscoe. Um, to that point, obviously, moves off the 98 car. Davin Restivo, as I mentioned earlier, um, was the, the number 10 engineer in the Cup Series, had been uh, semi-leading um, a partial FHR effort. Uh, in fact, he was um, effectively the crew chief that won with Eric Almarola at Sonoma just a couple of weeks ago. Um, so he's got a little bit of experience doing that, and you know maybe a fresh perspective is what Riley Hurd needs. Um, it's no secret that that's the car that won nine races in 2020, but you know different crew chiefs may pair well with other drivers, and, and you know mm-hmm. as good as Richard Boswell, as good as Boswell is. You know, we know he's a great crew chief. Maybe Riley Herbs needs a different perspective to help him get better. So maybe this is a change that Riley needs that can maybe get him to victory lane finally. So um, positive moves overall by Stuart Haas Racing. And, um, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens. Obviously, the proof will be in the results uh, when they come. But, you know, overall, I'm, I'm really excited about these moves. 
Yeah, it's no secret that Stuart Haas Racing is kind of in a transitional year, losing a major leader in that organization, Kevin Harvick, when this season ends. They needed to get a driver who really uh, had that experience, uh, which Josh Berry now has, and uh, can kind of lead that group. Uh, we're not sure if Eric Almarola is coming back or not at this point, but um, I do think that it makes sense for Josh Berry to be in that seat. Um, I was reading some of the uh, off comments that were made here uh, between Bob Pockris and Jeff Gluck, uh, kind of uh, referring to uh, what they were looking for. I think they were looking at uh, Josh Berry right from the very beginning. Uh, but Tony Stewart said sponsorship on the number four car is totally open. They've had talks with some existing sponsors and other potential sponsors, but they don't have anything to announce just yet. So that tells you that, that Josh is not coming with uh, money, uh, but they are helping to work to get the sponsorship that Josh Berry needs to be able to drive. Uh, Tony Stewart responded to Jordan Bianche's uh, question about not hiring a pay driver for the number four car, and Smoke's response was, I'm not interested in some kid's father coming in and buying their way into the Cup Series. I have zero interest in that. He went on to say, we want guys to earn their way with hard work, understand the values it takes to be a top-tier driver, and not one who just gets out of high school, not one just got his high school diploma, and now all of a sudden he's a Cup Series driver. So I think that there's been some lessons maybe learned at SHR, and they are trying to right the ship with a driver like Josh Berry and uh, look for the talent that they need versus the money. Uh, and I know we've had some debates here about that uh, here in our Hot Topic Sound Off uh, segments. And I think that that is a good, good decision uh, for Stuart Haas Racing to make. Uh, the talent means so much, and Josh Berry has certainly proven uh, that he is a talented driver. I also wanted to kind of clarify uh, something that I said earlier. He was discovered by... Uh, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. through iRacing, Dale Earnhardt then hired him as a late model stock car driver and uh, helped develop him uh, th- through the ladder to get into NASCAR's top three and uh, now make it into the Cup Series. And I'm glad to see uh, that he's not standing in the way of Josh Berry and his career uh, the fact that he's now getting this opportunity, I would think that Dale Earnhardt uh, Jr. is very, very happy for Josh Berry and wants to see him driving in the Cup Series. It's a, it is a huge loss for Chevrolet, but I think that uh, overall there is happiness for Josh Berry and, and his opportunity to race in the Cup Series full-time next year. So I think that that's fantastic and uh Again, overall, I think it's a good decision uh, for Stuart Haas Racing to look at talent versus the money uh, that's being brought to the table. Uh, I think that uh, Cole Custer has done uh, a ride in the in the Xfinity Series. I I don't know if they're looking to bring him up into the Cup Series again, but I think if they leave him in the Xfinity Series for a couple of years, uh, it will give him a chance to mature 
and uh, not that he's an immature driver, but just mature his driving skills as is more the perspective that I'm taking here. Um, and same thing with Riley Herbst. I think if he gets maybe a couple more years in the Xfinity Series and they find those pairings that work for those two drivers, I think it will uh, do a lot for them. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think uh, this is a good step in the right direction for the organization. Anything you want to add, Andy? Yeah, just, you know, obviously, you know, interesting quotes from Tony, um, you know, about, you know, how they went about finding the driver of the, of the four car. And, you know, I can really appreciate that mindset. Um, we know that pay drivers are necessary sometimes. We've talked about that and how it can help keep a team going. Um, and that's okay. Um, but, you know, you have to really appreciate a team that, that wants to reward talent, um, you know, over money. Um, they did the same thing with Briscoe. You know, his Xfinity Series season in 2020 is what earned him the 14 car. Josh Berry's, you know, rise to prominence in the Xfinity Series as well as his cup success earlier this year is what led to his, you know, Absolutely. chance to earn the four car, you know. And so you love to see that. Um you know, you have to think about possible other up-and-comers like Zane Smith and some others that may get similar opportunities down the road. You know, you love to see people get good opportunities because they've earned it, you know, and that's what I've always enjoyed the most when, when someone gets an opportunity like this. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. You know, I truthfully thought perhaps Custer would get the opportunity to rejoin the Cup Series. Um, I also thought that he would have won more races by now. I think when you look at how good he was winning seven races back in 2019 in the Xfinity Series, I thought he was going to come in and destroy the series this year. I think I said that pretty early on, and he may still do so. He finally got that breakthrough win uh, at Portland just a couple, three weeks ago, and I don't think it ends there. And I think, you know, in Cole's case, he had a rough couple years, couple, three seasons in the Cup Series. And I think he really just needed that break, that breakthrough victory um, a couple weeks ago to get some of that confidence back. And, and now that he has it, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go on a hot streak this summer. I, Cole, the thing of it is, you know, Cole gets kind of, you know, some bad, bad press sometimes because of his connection with, you know, as Joe Custer's son, the general manager or president, whatever, of Stuart Haas Racing. But I, I've always thought that Cole's had the talent to go with that. He's done well, you know, overall. And I think that a lot of the cup struggles, you can't really necessarily put on him. I think that the organization in general, really the last three seasons has struggled a bit. So um, I, I, I like to think that Cole's going to get another chance in the cup series at some point. I, I really do think that, you know, despite having a family connection, he actually does have the talent to be successful. So hopefully he'll get a chance to come back up. Yeah, I know that car uh, in the Xfinity Series uh, was a really good car as well with uh, Chase Bisco driving that number 98. But I think the same thing has to be said for Riley Herbs because um, it's not his fault that the organization as a whole was struggling. He just happened to come in at the point that that was happening. And so I don't think he he's really been given – uh, a fair shake either. I know his dad brings in a lot of money to the organization, uh, but I do think that given the right circumstances, and this is a move in that direction, 
I think given the right circumstances, good things can happen uh, for both Riley Herbst and uh, Cole Custer. And uh, I don't think that uh, you can judge them based on the fact that uh, Stuart House Racing as a whole has struggled for the last couple of years. I do see signs that they are turning the ship, uh, and I think they are moving in the right direction. So, you know, with that, I think we should expect more things from Cole Custer and from uh, Riley Herbst, but I think that both of them will deliver. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I think it was good to put Riley and Cole together in the Xfinity Series. Uh, they, they've they raced together and against one another uh, out in California for a number of years, so they're good friends. And I think that uh, that friendship uh, will help both of them in the Xfinity Series as well. So uh, with that, I think we've hit all the bases. You kind of uh, read my mind there about uh, not blaming uh, uh, these guys because uh, Stuart Hall's racing as a whole was struggling there for a couple of years. So I, I say let's give these guys a chance, let them continue to make the changes that will strengthen their organization, and we will see good things. Okay, so with that, what's our next hot topic? Uh, did you want to pick the next one or you want me to take a look? No, you can go ahead and pick. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just go right down through the list then. The next one is uh, Noah Gregson and Corey Heim have officially been granted playoff waivers despite missing some races. Yeah, NASCAR's been um, NASCAR's been pretty consistent about this. Uh, there have been some exceptions. I think uh, Grant Infinger should have been given a waiver. Uh, and wasn't in the truck series. But other than with that one exception, NASCAR has been very consistent with this, and I think they've done a good job. Um, and so both of those drivers uh, will get uh, waivers. Uh, Gregson, of course, had that concussion-like symptoms, and Heim uh, was having uh, some illness um, at Gateway and wasn't able to race at Gateway. So... Uh, NASCAR is making the exception if they've got the wins. They can be in the playoffs. Uh, so I think that's good for the sport. I agree. Um, you know, obviously, you look at the scenarios here. Corey Heim was sick from an illness. Noah Gregson suffered a concussion following his record gateway a couple of weeks ago. Um, these are obviously circumstances out of both of their control. So I think it was only the right decision to grant the playoff waiver um, for both of these guys, especially Corey Heim. I think when you look at how good he's been in the truck series this year, it would be a shame for him to not make the playoffs, especially since Mm -hmm. he has that win uh, at Martinsville. You know, he's already, he's already earned his shot to, to make the playoffs. So I would, I would have hated to see that taken away. So um, yeah, I think this is the right call for sure. And, and obviously, um, you know, feel like, you know, again, both of these, these drivers, you know, had things happen that was out of their control. Correct. I would totally agree, and I'm glad NASCAR gave them the waivers. Uh, I don't have a whole lot more to add to that unless you do, Andy. Uh, no, I think that one was, was pretty cut and dry. So, uh, yeah, all good on that. Okay. Um I'll go ahead and take the next one if you want. Uh, There's a post here. NBC Sports will have a post-race show after every race 
of at least 30 minutes every week on Peacock. Um, I know Mike posted uh, uh, his thoughts about this. I tend to disagree with him, though. I think streaming uh, is a lot bigger than he's given it credit for. I know I've switched over. I, I no longer have cable. I have the streaming services, uh, and I enjoy the streaming services. Uh, it fits more into my lifestyle and the way that, that I'm able to watch things. So I like that they have it available over at Peacock. Uh, but I do want to read his thoughts here because I think he should be represented. So... Um, uh, he says NBC needs to stop trying to make Peacock happen because it's not going to happen. They're not putting content on Peacock because people want it there. They're putting uh, content on Peacock in hopes that it will drag people over there who want to see the content. I think the result is people are just going to turn off the race coverage instead of opening up Peacock. In fact, most streaming services are struggling right now, and I'm not sure where he got his information from. Uh, but it's opposite of what I've heard. As much of a joke as it was at the time, I think CNN was wise to pull the plug on CNN Plus as quickly as they did. This much-vaunted streaming revolution really doesn't seem to be materializing, and I think NASCAR needs to use extreme caution as they approach the new TV deal to not be sucked into some exclusivity deal that will do far more harm than good. Netflix is struggling and just had to crack down on password sharing. I think the net result uh, there has been likely that fewer people are, on, are watching Netflix content versus the intended result of people buying their own subscription since they can't use someone else's account. Disney Plus is a disaster. It doesn't help that Disney has been destroying the formerly extremely valuable IPs like Star Wars and Marvel, but at this point I'm surprised the SEC hasn't gotten involved with some of the games that Disney has been playing to hide just how bad off the cash hemorrhage uh, D Plus has been. HBO Max seems to be doing a bit better, but it's likely because HBO has always been a subscription service anyway. So HBO customers may be more conditioned to paying for the HBO content that they want to see. About the only streaming service that I haven't heard bad things about in terms of stability is Amazon Prime, but that's largely due to the fact that Prime doesn't need to support itself. I forget where I saw the exact number, but I saw that something like fewer than 40% of Prime subscribers even use any of the streaming streaming content services that come from Prime mem membership. They're in it for shopping, and that's about it. With that said, even Prime can't afford too many big-budget flops like Rings of Power before they need to tighten up the belt. So, again, that is the perspective of Mike Orzel. Uh, and, again, I don't agree with much of it. Uh, I'm on the opposite end of that, uh, feeling that the streaming services are the future. Uh, I think that a lot of the uh, younger generation prefers the streaming services over uh, the cable network, and uh, I think that's the direction that NASCAR is looking at because that's the direction that the future uh, generation is going to be using. Um, my generation, it's kind of ironic that I've made that switch uh, and some others maybe are a little more hesitant 
to make that switch. Uh, but I've made that switch, and it does fit my lifestyle much better for me to pay for the services that I use and not pay for the services that I don't use. So I prefer the streaming services over um, the network. And uh, honestly, the only reason I had uh, NBC or uh, Fox is because uh, that's where I could watch the NASCAR. So now I have other options that are available to me, uh, and I like it. So I, I hope they continue to go the direction of streaming services. I know a lot of people aren't going to like it. I know a lot of people are going to push back on it. Uh, but I do think it's the future, and I do think that it is uh, the direction that NASCAR needs to go in if they want to develop the future of this sport. So, and what are you? Yeah, I um, I'm going to have to lean with you on that one, chair. And I, I think that it was under my impression that streaming services were becoming the new norm, you know, and and gaining. Um, popularity i think with a shift away from cable tv and i think that that's you know just a logical progression of of tv i mean we see changes you know throughout the years i mean you know analog tvs with rabbit ears weren't going to last forever you know and and neither is cable neither is cable tv right they're going to evolve it and and ultimately i think streaming is 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 coming um is coming, you know, as, as being a more prevalent fixture for, for watching uh, content, right? So I'm not necessarily surprised by this move. In fact, if you look at some of the rumors concerning TV deals for next year and beyond, it, it may potentially involve streaming services. So um, I'm, not upset. I'm not upset about it. I don't think it's a bad move because, you know, like I've done with my cable, you know, I had to get a certain subscription um, to get, all the necessary channels to watch racing and I'll do the same thing with streaming. If I have to subscribe to a streaming service to watch, that's what it'll, that's what I'll do. You know, that's what I think most um, diehard race fans will do, right. You know, that you, you, mm-hmm. you pay for the content that you want to watch. And so I don't think it's a bad thing. In fact, I, if to look at the topic at hand here, um, the fact that they will air, a post-race show for at least 30 minutes after every race. That's a really good thing. I, I think that one of, one of the gripes that we've seen um, from fans is if a race runs long, is this immediate leaving the air, you know, and that's always been a little frustrating. You know, you want to see the the winner get interviewed, of course, but also, you know, you like to hear from some of the top 10 finishers and you like to see a bit of analysis after the race. And I think that that decision to air, a 30-minute post-race show is a really good thing, and, and whether it's on NBC or Peacock doesn't really matter to me. Um, you know, the fact that they're doing it is what matters, and I think it's a good thing. So ultimately, I think it's a, a really good decision by NBC. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and you bring up some good points there. Um, uh, I, I I know that some people are kicking and screaming about it, and they're a little upset about it. Uh, change is sometimes hard to make, uh, but I think this is a change that is necessary because that is the future generation that we're talking about. So um, uh, I feel for the people that are, are wanting to hang on to their cable TV subscription and wanting to do things that way. 
um, because I do understand that change is difficult. Um, but I found that I saved money by, by dropping the cable. Uh, I actually spent less money uh, going to the streaming services than I did using the cable, and I very rarely used the cable. I didn't watch anything else on cable except for racing, and it was I felt like it was a waste of my money. So it made sense for me to drop that cable bill and uh, go to the streaming services and pay for what I wanted. Uh, and I think a, as people start to realize that, um, I, I think it will be a good thing. I think the ones that are going to be diehards, the ones that don't want to make that change, are the people that were paying for the basic service on cable. They weren't looking for the extras on cable. They just wanted the basics. Uh, and, you know, it might not be a cost savings for those folks, and I get that. Uh, but most of us, some, a lot of us, I won't say most of us because I don't really know, but a lot of us had extra services that we were paying for on cable, and uh, uh, it jacked up that cable bill. Well, I can pay for those services on a streaming service uh, individually and get only those streaming services that I want, and, and I, I saved money by doing that. So I understand for those people that were on the basic services, uh, it's not going to cost. It's going to necessarily going to save them money. Uh, but I do think um, it's the right thing for NASCAR to do as a business. They have to look to the future of this sport, uh, and they have to look at how those viewers are consuming the sport, and that's the way that they consume this sport. So I think it was a smart move. <clears throat> Anything you want to add, Andy? Uh, not particularly, no. Um, nothing that hasn't already been said, but just, you know, grateful that they will be airing a post-race show after every race for at yeah. least 30 minutes. I think it's it's a good move, you know. Yes, I miss uh, that coverage, that post-race coverage. Uh, Fox doesn't always do it. And I think it's not good for Fox to do it uh, and not cover it. So it makes me very happy that NBC is making that extra effort to cover it. Okay, what's our next hot topic? Uh, let's see. So Joe Gibbs Racing sells minority equity stake to Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, who I believe um, is the group that owns the Washington Commanders football team. All right. Uh, I do think this is a good move as well. Uh, We know, I I think um, Joe Gibbs Racing had a plan in place. Coy Gibbs was the heir apparent. And unfortunately, um, with his passing, that plan had to go to the wayside and they had to come up with a new plan. This is the new plan. And uh, it's not the first time we've seen this happen. Uh, RFK Racing uh, is is another example where they've got multiple uh, equity owners uh, that are invested in their team. Well, now we're seeing it happen at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, and so I, I really think this is a good move for JGR. Uh, they're getting the support that they need to keep their operation going. Who the heir apparent is going to be at Joe Gibbs is yet to be determined, 
but uh, I know that there'll be somebody that will be stepping up uh, in that organization. Maybe you have some insight there, Andy, but uh, I'm glad they're bringing in, uh, 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 what do they call it, minority equity stakeholder, and that is Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment. And sometimes when something like this happens, they bring a different perspective. Uh, and we've seen that happen throughout NASCAR with uh, all kinds of different sports personalities getting involved uh, with Michael Jordan and from basketball. You've got uh, football players. We've got all kinds of different uh, other sports. Pitbull, Pitbull from the musical industry. Um, it, it, I think it's good for the sport uh, to kind of play off of what other uh, sports organizations are doing uh, to be as successful as they are as a business and uh, to, to come into our sport and help us be better at what we do in producing a better product for our fans. So I think it's a good thing. What are your thoughts? It, it is a good thing, and I think that, you know, you, you really hit the nail on the head with several key points there, but ultimately I think it's a business decision moving forward for the future of Joe Gibbs Racing. Um Unfortunately for Joe Gibbs, uh, both of his sons have since passed away, and that's obviously you know tragic that that happened to him. Uh, but that being said, the team has to find a way to move on in the future. And you know, Ty Gibbs is is not really old enough, I think, to be a NASCAR team owner. You know, he's focused on a driving career and a successful driving career at that. So you know, you can't really see someone like him take over for his grandfather in the imminent future. So I think bringing in, um, you know, some new ownership, at least to some degree, uh, kind of helps set this team up for the future. So not a, not a bad move. I think it's a good business decision um, to, to help keep the longevity of the race team moving forward. And, and obviously I think it makes sense. Okay, yeah, I, I totally agree uh, on all counts, and uh, uh, I think it's a good business decision for Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, I'm trying to see here, do we have any other hot topics? Uh, we do, uh, I believe we do here. Let's see. Um, so we've covered, uh, Just, I know we definitely do. I just want to double-check that the covered ones. Um, oh, we didn't talk about Justin Marks back on track for Chicago, driving the colleague number ten. Oh yeah, so this is um, this is a good one. You know, obviously Justin Marks, um, you know, made his uh, mark, if you will, no pun intended. <laughs> but um, um, you know, as a driver, right? You know, that's where that's where I remember first seeing the name and and. You know, over the years, Justin has driven a wide array of, of truck and Xfinity cars. I think maybe some Cup 2 along the way. Um, but he's an accomplished road course racer. He's good at it. Um, he won an Xfinity Series race for Chip Ganassi Racing a few years ago, I think maybe at Mid-Ohio, something like that. And, um, you know, so this, this type of racing is right in his wheelhouse. And, you know, obviously he's you know, gone on to be a successful team owner in the Cup Series, but it's cool to see him when he gets back behind the wheel. And um, obviously the Colleague 10 car is, is a good car. That's not a, 
a field filler. So I think for him, you know, this is a chance to not only go out and have some fun, but I think an opportunity for him to maybe even contend for a win, especially, um, you know, with his extensive road racing experience, if he threw rain into the equation or something like that, like um, this could be a pretty neat scenario for him. Uh, forgot to ask Sharon, but are you, are you going to go to this race um, since you're up that way or no? Uh, I'm kind of hesitant to go. I, I, I know, I know I'm a negative Nelly about this race, but I am. I'm just not convinced uh, that this is going to be uh, the be-all, end-all uh, at Chicago. I think I'm going to see more at home than I would ever see at the track. So I've opted to uh, watch from home versus at the track. I can't see paying uh, that kind of money. They're charging some pretty high prices uh, for the race, for the Chicago Street Race. And for the money, yeah. I can sit at home and see a lot more on my TV than go, than paying that kind of money to watch it on a screen uh, at in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I can res- I can certainly respect that. I you know it is especially when it comes to these road races and especially a street course. It's it's tough to see a, a big portion of the track. So you know maybe maybe see what it's like on TV this year. You know, and that'll give you a feeling for if you want to try it down the road, but. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll be watching it on TV any regardless. But, <laughs> um, no, I can certainly respect that. It's just, it's just a shame they don't just bring Chicago in back and, and then you'd be all set, you know. Yep, yep, I would just love that. Uh, but we'll see how this goes. I mean, I can be proven wrong in all my worries and thoughts about what's going to happen uh, with this race. Uh, I hope I am proven wrong. I hope it is as successful as NASCAR wants it to be. Uh, I do have concerns about the prices that they're charging for the tickets. I think it's going to ex- exclude a lot of people. Uh, I think they're driving for a higher um, higher ticket holder. I don't know how to put how to uh, a different brand of ticket holder, I guess, uh, than our traditional ticket holders. Uh, and uh, we'll see if it works. You know. Um, I think that the I think one of the things that Gateway did that was so good is that Chicago did not do is they brought in the community to be a part of putting on uh the program at Gateway. And I I really like what they did. Chicago Inn kind of started out with a higher ticket price and everything too. They backed down from that and that's uh when when People stopped coming because they couldn't afford the higher prices. Uh, but there was a time at Chicagoland where you couldn't get a ticket. I got it. I, the only way I got in is from a founder, uh, a friend who knew a friend who was a founder who included me in their group, and that's the only way I was able to go to Chicagoland in the beginning uh, because those tickets were so hard to get. And then all of a sudden the economy kind of blew, and uh, the, the 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 whole structure had to be changed, so that it made it a little bit easier to get tickets and to get in at Chicagoland. But um, I thought Chicagoland put on some pretty good races, and uh, I just worry that they're making the same mistakes all over again with the higher ticket prices, uh, going for a higher ticket um, uh, fan 
and uh, everything. Again, I know I'm being a negative Nelly here. That's not typically me. <laughs> so I feel bad saying some of these things, but I, I just can't help but feel that they're repeating some of the same mistakes. Uh, and I wish uh, they would have gone about this a little bit differently. Uh, I do think I do like what I saw from Gateway. Uh, and I know Gateway recently expanded, so I see myself going more the Gateway direction at this point than the Chicago direction with the street race. But we'll see. We'll see. I could be proven wrong. Uh, but as far as Justin Marks racing at that track, I'm sorry I got went off on a tangent there. I'm happy to see Justin Marks uh, getting behind the wheel of the colleague number 10. Uh, I think it's good from a, a number of different perspectives. Um, Justin Marks, we know, is really good on road courses. Uh, but I think it's also good as a team owner uh, for him to get behind the wheel once in a while and uh, experience what his drivers are experiencing in the cars. So um, I know this is a little bit different car. This is a colleague racing number 10. And I, I just want to note uh, Mike Orzel's comment on this one as well. He says, I find it interesting that the colleague 10 has become the de facto Chevy all-star car in the Xfinity series. Uh, that colleague 10 has hosted uh, cup drivers from uh, Hendrick Motorsports, RCR, and now Trackhouse, if you count Marks as a Trackhouse driver and not just a car owner. Um, so I like to see that uh, teamwork uh, in the manufacturer umbrella working across uh, the different teams uh, to add on to what Mike is saying. I think that that is a good thing, and I think it will strengthen uh, the Chevy teams overall by doing so. Uh, and I think the fact that Justin Marks is not just a driver, but also a team owner is just an added bonus to that. So I, I like what I'm seeing here uh, from a lot of different levels. Andy, your follow-up there. And I apologize for the tangent. Oh, no. No, it's all good. I totally get it. Um, you know, it's definitely a lot to look forward to, right? You know, so... Um, <laughs> What what topic are we on here? I, I actually lost track of what I was doing, but well, um, Justin Marks uh, back on track in Chicago in the call. Oh right, yeah, kids. yeah, but yeah, I guess. Sorry to reiterate. Um, you know, it, it'll be cool to see him. Um, be cool to see him. You know, in a good car on a road course. I think he'll do well. So, looking forward to that. Um, yeah, the Chicago Street Race is, you know, kind of to touch on that. I guess real quick is is something that I'm you know, definitely intrigued by. Um, and I like the fact that NASCAR is willing to try new concepts and new ideas. Will it be a flop or will it be successful? We don't really know, unfortunately, but um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if this goes well, would they be willing to try this elsewhere, you know, in the country or, or abroad, right? You know, so mm -hmm. um, a lot of potential, you know, for this race and, and, and what it may mean for the schedule moving forward. Um, uh, what is that? Fourth of July weekend. I don't even know if I can watch these races live, but I'll certainly be recording them like I usually do when I can't watch live, and I'll be looking forward to seeing what that's like because it, it should be an interesting weekend, um, you know. And it's a shame, Sharon, that it it wasn't um, coming back to Road America that weekend. I thought they put on some great races. 
in a in a wonderful part of the country. I love Wisconsin. It's a great state. Um, I it definitely disappointing that it came at Road America's expense. Um, yes. You know, and I thought I thought it was a, a good place to have that that race the last couple of years. But um, I guess we'll see how it unfolds. You know, if it's if it's good, then then I guess NASCAR made the right move. And and just to add on to that, uh, and in this on a positive note, uh, I'm I'm not going to be too quick to judge the very first race on the street road on a street road course with NASCAR in Chicago. Uh, if you remember, uh, we've tried to, the Bristol Dirt Race was not all that great the first time out, but it got better over the subsequent years. So I do trust that NASCAR will learn. Uh, from the things that they did this year, uh, and if it, it they, they'll learn from what went well and what didn't go well to make it better in subsequent years. So even though I'm a skeptic overall, <laughs> I'm not going to judge this first year as the be-all, end-all. Uh, I'll give it a chance uh, for uh, another two or three years. Okay, with that, I think we've uh, ended all of our topics here, unless you've got something else, Andy. No, I I think that pretty well covers it. Obviously, we didn't have Mike here, so that's why it took a lot less time. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, um, yeah, well, I did know, try to wrap you him. You did. You did. Um, you know, it, it is always good to have a differing opinion thrown in there occasionally. So um, Yes. But... Um, yeah, I think that covers it. We've, we're able to get through everything near as I can tell. Obviously, the the big news from from SHR we covered. So I think now, um, looking forward looking forward to a, a a big weekend of racing. Obviously, the off weekend was nice this past weekend, uh, but it's exciting um, to look forward to Nashville and, and all three series back in action. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to be on another road trip this week, so I'm going to have to DVR all the races and watch them all uh, between Sunday night and Monday morning uh, and see if I can uh, comment on those races uh, on our review show Monday. But, um, uh, Andy, I wanted to tell you thank you so much for being available to do the podcast today. I do appreciate it. I know Jay appreciates it. It turns out that he did not have the Internet service where he is. So uh, he really was not going to be able to do this, and he thought he might get on Hot Topics here at the end, but even that didn't work out. So uh, I really am so thankful that you were available today. Uh, you're welcome. You know, it's always fun to be on here, and, um, you know, I'm grateful that uh, my work schedule has been a little kinder this year to allow me to be on more than I typically have been. So. Um, yes. always nice to fill in. I do, um, enjoy doing the full shows on occasion. So obviously when Sal or Jay can't do it, it's always good to fill in. So definitely thankful to be on. Always enjoy it. Always a good time. And, uh, looking forward to, um, being on, I think next week's kind of the same situation It's tentative, but I would expect to be on at least one of the shows next week. So we'll look forward to that and we'll look forward to, um, I think what will be a good weekend of racing this weekend. Okay, it sounds good. Um, and, uh, Andy, uh, uh, I want to make sure we also say thanks to uh, the folks that are tuning into the podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoy uh, listening to it as much as we enjoy doing it. 
and uh, also uh, uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend of racing. Even though I won't be able to see it live, I am going to be able to uh, check in on these uh, shows maybe at the end of the day and uh, see if I can't see what happened. You know I'm going to be having an eye on my uh, NASCAR app, uh, even though I'm not watching the race live. So uh, uh, if you can post some updates uh, on uh, our race day chat, that would be uh, fantastic if you're going to be uh, watching those races because I'm going to be a little bit limited, especially if something big happens. Uh, that I need to know about. I'd like to hear about it. So you don't well, have I, to do I, that. If you can do it, that would be great. I think I can watch everything live this weekend. Um, so as far as I know, it, certainly two out of the three, but I think all three. So um, with that being said, yeah, I usually like to post in the group, you know, the race day chats, and, you know, usually with Mike and I get in there, we get going. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I have an I, I have an idea. We'll be posting some updates this weekend. Okay. Well, I do appreciate that. And uh, with that, um, I guess we're ready to call it uh, a day here on our uh, Fan for Racing podcast, and we'll be back uh, this coming Monday uh, with our review of the racing at uh, Nashville and Elko. So thanks, everybody. We'll see you on the other side. Have a good weekend.